want to start this right now for anybody that's listening. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button like it uh, stole some money from you. Let's just start it off right there. Um, but Coach Carl and I, we were talking. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. We're just jumping in this thing, Ross. So Carl, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to the people listening. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, for those listening, my name is Carl Powley. I am, I would say, a performance coach, human performance coach. I, I've spent a lot of my, my adulthood coaching movement, so physical fitness. And that in the later years started really leading into more of the mental side of things. And now I am tripling down on this concept of emotional fitness, which is applied emotional intelligence. And uh, it's been uh, very fun to see how the soft skills can produce hard results. And that's something that I, I truly enjoy. I'm, I'm exploring it every day. And it's something that I'm, I'm excited to share with people because it's, it's done great things for me and great things for the people that I have had the pleasure of working with in, in various arenas. I mean, not only in, in the world of fitness and health, but also sport and uh, life. I mean, you couldn't have been talking to a better person than me, like this mental performance thing, like selfishly, this is good for me. Um, for those of you that are listening right now, this whole podcast episode came about because of a, a, a colleague, a friend of both of ours, um, Drew Cohen recommended that I have you on the show. And uh, Drew is a founder of the NFT project Meta Athletes with another um, Major League Baseball player. So we might talk NFTs, we might talk Web3 and this whole thing too. So buckle up listeners if you're still here with us at the end. Um, but hearing you talk about physical fitness, physical fitness, mental fitness, applied emotional fitness, soft skills translating into hard skills, I mean, I'm your perfect client. Like I should be paying you money to do this with me because like, uh -oh. fuck, I'd be an amazing, <laughs> I'd be an amazing fucking uh, end of one study for you. Like, holy cow, like talk more about what that means just because I'm working on it myself, right? Like Drew's giving me recommendations of the Calm app and I've been talking with my therapist more and, you know, doing a lot of that talk therapy, um, you know, and we've had a prior guest on Mike Wadango talked about how talk therapy helped him and, I'm starting to understand like my anxiety and my anger and just understanding and unraveling all of that. So I'll stop raveling and let you talk. Yeah, it's uh, there. There's an infinite number of doors we could we could enter through. But if we we enter through the door of physical practice, mo moving your body allows you to feel something. When you feel something you start to think about something. When you start to think about something, you slowly begin to understand, or at least you see. And when you see, now you move again. So you move, you feel, you think, you see, and then you move again. And that's what we go through every single day. We go through the motions of life. We are physical beings embodying this physical uh, selves that is a vehicle that we supposedly are driving and <laughs> uh, right <laughs> but we know that uh the majority of our being and action is unconscious it's something that is conditioned and programmed partly uh the expression of our dna 
our genome, and partly the expression of who we have become through the environments that we have grown up in. So there's a lot of nature and a lot of nurture. Regardless, a lot of it is unconscious. And by simply realizing that there is a mechanism for moving through this world and that we can become aware of that mechanism, now we also have the opportunity of making change. And the change is what we would call now deliberate living or deliberate practice or deliberate action. And what is this? This is simply you taking full responsibility, full ownership of who you are and what you do. Now, because most of your actions are going to be unconscious, you are bound to make some mistakes, but it's noticing those mistakes, failing forward, if you want to call it that. I, I don't care what you call it. It's, it's that which allows you to become a little bit more aware, thus uh, be make better choices because of that, because you can see more, you understand more. And in making those better choices, it leading you to a greater level of, of health, which is simply uh, feeling well or being more whole. The word health comes from wholeness. Uh, it's being more fit, which is capable of uh, completing a task or uh, completing a mission or meeting a standard or uh, producing a result that you seek. And this can be uh, winning the Olympics. This can be uh, completing your first race, uh, squatting uh, 100 kilos, I, whatever it may be, uh, you can achieve that. But those results are a byproduct of your awareness of who you are and how you move and how you take the mechanism of that and shape it, shift it, artistically mold it to uh, become what it has to be in order to do the thing that you want to do. And that's that's kind of the premise of, uh, of uh, this whole notion of emotional fitness and the application of it. And uh, that's how we would enter through physical movement. How did you get started in all of this? Because it's unbelievably interesting to me. Mm. Um, well, uh, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> my mother gave birth to me and then uh no yeah, i was i was uh i was born and my first memory was one of of fear i just happened to be a scared kid i was scared of things scared of I, I i remember learning about death at an early age and 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 freaking out that i was going to lose my parents i was going to die that this thing was finite and then i was also scared of i was just very sensitive and Maybe I was extra sensitive because um, at a very young age, we, my family and I, we moved to Ecuador and then to Spain. So I grew up in Spain and I didn't speak the language. Culture was different. Uh, so just extra sensitive and, and just a little frightened of, of things. And that just gave me a, a heightened sense of just life in general. I just saw things in, in a different way. And uh, at the time, definitely not very healthy, but uh, thankfully my mom put me into gymnastics um, as part of an after-school program. And then through gymnastics, I realized that I had certain things that were in my control, which was my body. I could control how I moved my body and I could mold the way that I moved in order to achieve things. I could unlock a new movement. I could do a flip and then I could add a twist and then I could think about how I was going to land and then I could apply that to competition. And the more aware I became of 
my expression, the more I realized that that was the thing that allowed me to do more, create more, be more, uh, or even just be who I need to be in order to feel good. And as I grew up and I claimed to be some kind of like subject matter expert in gymnastics or, you know, whatever, I, I claimed <laughs> to be this pro that knew something, which, yes, I, I, I knew more than the average person in my vicinity when it came to certain topics. But uh, I just realized that that wasn't the thing, that that wasn't what was really uh, allowing me to find success or perform better or even assisting the people that I was working with, what was really allowing me to do my job well was me connecting with people. And I was doing that by expressing um, a level of vulnerability that was perceived as openness and not weakness. And the openness giving the opportunity for the person that I was engaging with to do the same. And that's how this whole thing started. And now here I am <laughs> kind of back, back where I was uh, 15 years ago, claiming to be some sort of expert in gymnastics, now talking about emotional fitness as if I, you know, <laughs> as if I knew something about it, but I, you know, I've read some books, uh, put it that way. And, I, I, <laughs> and I, I'm doing some journaling. You know? <laughs> I have a mic here and I sound pro. No, I mean, listen, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't agree with you like, personally, like to relate to you human to human, feel the same way, like kind of grew up, moved around, had, uh, you know, probably had the same thoughts about death and fear and parents had the divorce and you know, just again, realize things were fine, you know, more finite and probably grew up faster than I should have. Um, and, you know, continuing to work that through all of that myself. Um, but one of the things that, you know, you said that resonated with me right there, it, first of all, all of it did, but one of the things that I wrote down was that vulnerability. And that made me think of a question that one of my colleagues had said to me uh, that her, you know, therapist was talking to her about like, how do you handle that fine line as a coach to humanize yourself, but still be their coach? Because I think early in my career, I definitely told the line of like, Oh, I'm your coach and I'm a hard ass. And like over the course of my career, I've definitely evolved and I'm less of that, but I felt like I've become more of a coach because a coach you're there to help your athletes achieve better for themselves. And unless you're that traditional hard ass in my case, what I found is they're, more willing to work and be a person. And, you know, I tell them government names only, right? Like you don't have to call me coach unless that's what you want to call me, or you can call me Justin. You can call me by my last name because I played sports and growing up, they just called you by your last name. So mm -hmm. how do you handle that dichotomy you personally? And then how do you advise people on that? Yeah, this is a, a, a great question. And it's complicated because especially if you work with people one-on-one -on -one, there are times where uh you reach a point where you know the relationship coach athlete is done but you keep doing it because it's become habitual and i share that simply to preface that i do believe there are certain phases that we go through and the first phase is is relationship building you're you're just building rapport 
And the rapport requires some level of vulnerability. You, you kind of have to let them know that you are here as somebody who may not have the uh, all the answers to their problems, but you're here to explore them with them. That's one of the things that a coach does is that they may have a lot of tools, but uh, everybody is unique. Thus, it's going to require some vulnerability to solve those unique problems. So you build rapport. Then this is where the coach comes in and says, all right, it's time to set some direction. We need to achieve some things. We need to set some goals. We need to meet some standards. We're going to practice this way. We're going to train this way. And we're going to start uh, creating some progress. And once you get into the progress making, that's when now you're really starting to deploy uh, who you are. And this uh, progress uh, phase uh, uh, lasts, uh, I don't know, a few months, a year sometimes. Um, sometimes it lasts more. But it, it's, it's finite in nature. Eventually, you plateau and you have to switch things up. And this is when uh, you start to notice that there's a cycle and uh, in coaching. And you have to get into the moment of winding down. The progress has been made. Now it's time to wind it down and to move on. And this is the moment where you have to close the loop. You have to come back to reassessing, build rapport again, create a new relationship. And the reason is because who you were as a coach and who your athlete was in the beginning of your relationship, at this point, is not the same. In fact, you as people, you're completely different. Thus, you need to reset. When you become aware that there is rapport building, direction setting, progress making, winding down, and moving on, now you can uh, treat those relationships or those moments accordingly. The moving on may be, hey, it's time to have some closure. Now I'm talking to you as a friend. But if we choose to continue to work together, meaning to set new directions, create new progress, do those things, we're going to need to start from the beginning and we're going to have to uh, reestablish our roles. We're going to reestablish this relationship. And that's one way that I, I think about managing it. And then I, I, I lean on uh, performance, learning, and well-being. Are we performing? Yes. Great. We're moving. Are we learning? Yes. We're moving. We keep going. Do we feel well? Yes. We go. And this is where well-being has to be on both sides. It can't just be on the client. The coach needs to have well-being too. You have to be excited about the people that you're working with. If not, what are you doing? Are you really contributing to that person? How do you handle those that don't want to evolve that say things like, well, this is what I've always done. Or this is what we used to do. Wonderful. Keep going. <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> but if they're not, if they're not getting results and if you want to help them and you see them running into the wall and you're, mm -hmm. and again, you care about them because you care to see and you want, but how do you handle it when you want it more than them? Mm -hmm. And how do you let it go and let them make that mistake on their own? Like, yeah, for me as a, as a father, as a husband, as a coach, mm -hmm. but also for our listeners out there, like, how do you do it? What's your advice? Yeah, one, it's becoming aware that we go through different stages of development. You have the child phase. That's when a client comes to you and you have to hold their hand. You have to do it everything. I have to do everything for them. 
Like they're beginners. Then you have the teenagers. The teenagers have experience and they're ready to go out and do their own thing. They just want open gym, <laughs> private practice, uh, explore different places. Uh, they're making a lot of mistakes. I just want to lift heavy, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, I want to party all night and then try to train hard. Uh, I want to work. I want to work out all day. I want to train all day. Uh, that's the teenager. That's a challenging one. And then you have the adults. The adults are the ones that have gone through the teenage phase and realize that they need a collaborative relationship to maximize their efforts and maximize their outcomes. And those are the ones that you really want to work with. Now, the teenager is the one that you're talking about. And those are the ones that all you have to do is hold space for them. It's allow them to do the things. And the beauty of teenagers is that if you have developed some kind of relationship with them where there's an attachment, a connection, when they experience pain, whether it comes from an injury or something dumb that they've done that now has natural consequences, <laughs> or uh, they continue to hit the, uh, themselves against, they, they meet a wall that doesn't allow them to progress, they will come to you. It will be so brief. But that little window, that little connection, that's the thing that makes the biggest impact. And this is kind of like the one over 60 rule in navigation that says that for every one degree that you're off target, after 60 miles traveled, you will be one mile off. The same goes about being on target. When you get that little window from a teenager that comes to you and says, hey, I had a moment. In that moment is when you can make a big impact down the road. And that's where one doesn't need to let go of the desire of seeing somebody succeed, but one needs to let go on the projection of that desire. Ooh, that's fuck. Oh, you hit me right in the fucking chest. Oh my God. Go. What else, yeah. what, what else you got on that, please? And that's where you need to expand. And when I say you, I'm just kind of saying us. Uh, we you can are. talk to me. You can fucking <laughs> talk to me. You're good. You're good bro. We, it behooves <laughs> us. It behooves us to have enough capacity, to have enough self-control, emotional control, to hold that desire, see that desire, and to realize that it comes from a place of deep care, deep love. And when we sit with that deep care and deep love to allow that emotion, which at first may be reactive, may be like, come on, let's, let's fucking go. Yes. Right? Yes. And then let that pass. Just let that pass and notice that it comes from a place of, oh, wow, I really love you. I really want you to feel well. And I, I see you. Like I truly see your potential. Yes. And you're you're a gift. Like you're a gift. Huh? And they're being able to do two things. One, see the same thing in you, because whatever you see in others, it's alive in you. Holy shit, the potential that I have. I am a gift. And then two, reframing the projection that you may have to the kid or the teenager, the person that you wanna see uh, succeed. And to reframe it by sharing 
that which, which they're making you notice. And this is where um, something that's helped me uh, is um, NVC, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Not sure if you've ever heard of it. Writing it down. So Marshall Rosenberg, he's, he's, he's passed on now, but he was an expert, a master of communicating through feelings and needs. When you have a need to see somebody succeed, it is always coupled with a feeling. And when we reactively project this onto somebody, it comes out as violent. And what ends up happening is that it pushes the person that you're trying to help away. And we want to have them come closer to us. We want us to move towards each other. And in order to do this, one thing that you can share is um, from an objective place first, then a subjective, then a need place, and then with a call to action. And this is what I mean. The first thing that you do is you simply state your observation, something that is purely objective. So give me an example of something that you see that frustrates you uh, with people who are out there not tapping into their potential because of their behaviors. Just being, uh, the biggest thing for me is the non-willingness to adapt to changes in the environment or time from past time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they had a behavior and they keep behaving in that way and they're not willing to change. Correct. Right. So the, the first statement is one of observation. You say objectively, I have noticed, I see that in the past year, you have continued to do X, Y, and Z. That's the first thing you just say. That's objective. That's not something that can be denied. Both parties see that. The second thing you say now is objective, and this is stating the feeling. And you may say, it frustrates me to see that you continue to do the thing that maybe originally you said you didn't want to do or you, uh, you told me you wanted to change. It frets, frustrates me to see your potential going to waste. It pisses me off. It saddens me. Whatever it may be, whatever emotion is alive in you, you share that. And the reason you can do that after you have stated your observation is because your emotion, your perception of that is yours. It's yours. It's not a projection onto them. It's something that you're feeling. It's not you made me feel this way. No, my observation of what is happening is making me feel this way. That is detached from the person. You're not blaming them. You're just saying, I feel fucking frustrated, man. You, you, you hear that? Yeah. And this is where the powerful component comes in. And this is where you follow up by expressing the need of yours, the need of yours, not of theirs, your need that is not being met. You say, I have a need to see you tap into the potential that you have because I believe in you. I love you. I live for having you become the person that I know you desire. Like, I have a need for that. Fucking right. 
right? That's my need, not yours, not yours. my need. Yeah. Right? And then you finish. And this is where there's a call to action. I encourage you. I empower you. I implore you to change your behavior to X, Y, Z, or one, two, three, A, B, C. And that's the end of it. And you learned all this from that book from Marshall? Oh, yeah. Marshall Rosenberg is a combination of, of different people, but Marshall Rosenberg oh, really shit. brought that to the, the forefront on speaking and feelings and needs and being able to do it from an objective, subjective need, and then call to action perspective. I mean, this is unbelievable stuff. Like, how did you get so smart with this, man? Like, uh, <laughs> pain. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, pre I appreciate that. Actually, uh, I have to give credit to my wife and to my daughter because um, I became a foster parent uh, to a teenage girl a decade ago. And when she came in to live with us, um, there was a lot of dissonance. All of a sudden, I was a young father to a teenager. Um, and I didn't know how to communicate with her. And uh, she also came with uh, a lot of trauma that she was processing. And I was just struggling to, to really connect. And uh, my, my wife put me on to Marshall Rosenberg and said, just listen to this, see if it can help you uh, get some ideas and a little bit more clarity. And then I coupled that with, we had family therapy and I had individual therapy and uh, I just really worked on it. And I was also trying to uh, apply this to my my coaching career. And that's that's how I really uh, started tripling down on this. And this this started a decade ago. I really just started thinking about how can I how can I better express myself in a way that allows me to feel safe, strong, and uh, confident without um, harming others, which is something that we, we do. When we take ownership of our own shit, what, what tends to happen is that we, we cut other people out or we uh, set boundaries that can be uh, unhealthy. And it's all about finding a way of stepping into who you are, the most powerful expression of yourself, and to do that in a way that sets boundaries that actually allows other people to do the same. And that allowing you to move towards each other and that's been the yeah the the intention this whole time i just want to feel good i mean so that's, that's, that's don't we why all I, right like yeah, that, and that's why i think about this all the time and i and i talk about it often um one of the things that you guys talk about and you mentioned at the beginning is soft skill to hard skill you know feel good to get shit done Mm -hmm. what does this continuum look like and how does it become a circle? Okay. Um, so basically the soft skills are all that, which is happening internally. It's being able to process what is happening internally. Mm -hmm. You can't touch mm -hmm. it. It's not tangible. Mm -hmm. The, the, and the hard results are the uh, production of how those soft skills are expressed. So by creating a little bit more awareness of who you are through self-reflection, meditation, journaling, reading, communication, therapy, moving your body and creating 
and I'm not just talking about like painting a painting, <laughs> you know, because, but that does help, but creating a business, creating a practice, uh, decorating your house, building a house, uh, getting crafty with it. All of that serves as a vehicle for producing hard results and continuing to allow you to reflect on who you are. And this is kind of like the uh, uh, Ray Dalio um, saying, which is pain plus reflection equals progress. <laughs> pain plus reflection equals progress. And that's what training is all about. It's about it, it putting, you, putting yourself through pain, which is just healthy stress, discomfort, in a way that allows you to reflect and thus progress. And the reason there is a progression is because you're willing to make new choices. You're willing to say, oh, you know what? I'm, I am back squatting heavy. I'm on this cycle of, of getting stronger. And uh, I'm noticing that I'm tweaking my back. I think I need to do a regression, which is maybe I have to go down and wait for a little bit. I have to cut it down. I have to do more recovery work. I maybe have to do more accessory work. I need more mobility work, whatever it may be. And that regression producing a progression. So that's kind of how it becomes, uh, of course, uh, circular. And uh, there are, uh, yeah, various uh, mechanisms for assisting this process. And the the easiest one, the simplest one, it's not the easiest, actually, it's, it's very hard. But the <laughs> simplest one is silence. It's just to shut up and just sit there. And this is meditation. And um, I don't know if you meditate or you have meditated. Calm app. Uh, that's the one that Drew recommended to me. And holy shit, it's been amazing for me. That's like, great. That's fuck, great. I can feel the tingling in my brain. And like, I have to mainly use the calming anxiety one. Like, and that's been unbelievable for me. Mm, that's great. So yeah, the anxiety, I, I experienced a lot of anxiety. I've been a very anxious person my whole life, but I, I managed my anxiety uh, relatively well. Uh, and when I don't manage it, it does express itself in I, I have like neurotic thinking or oh. I have a pain in my shoulders or what. Right. Yeah, you, you can relate. Yeah. Hot <laughs> so, kettle. Hi. Yeah, ex exactly. Exactly. So yeah, maybe we can just uh, do a quick little meditation right now and I'll 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 share with you what this is. And it's very simple. It's it's just looking at your hands, basically. And this is something I've shared with many people. But uh, basically, all you do is you just put your hands in front of you and you, you look at your hands. And as you're looking at your hands, I simply want you to recognize that there are two hands that you're looking at that are part of your body. And then as you continue to look at your hands, I want you to notice that maybe you, you know these hands, like you've seen them before. But as you're looking closer in this very moment, there may be some new things that you're seeing. Oh, I've never seen that line, or I've never paid attention to that line, or this callus has a slightly different shape right now, or oh, my hands are a little dry. You're noticing newness, something new. And if you continue to look, I want you to see if you can feel what you're looking at. Can you feel a line? Can you feel 
a callus? Can you feel the skin? Maybe you can even feel the air around your skin. And then if you take it a little further, maybe you even can feel your hands, like you feel a tingle, a vibration. And that right there is meditation. The moment you feel what you are seeing, you are 100% connected, and you're not thinking about anything but that. Yeah, that's, like I felt my, oh, yeah. go, you go. Yeah, yeah, that's the one-pointedness. That's the focus. That's the place where you access an empty mind, so to speak, or Buddha mind, or Jesus mind, or Christ mind, whatever, you know, it's like just, that's that's where um, the power of now, uh, Eckhart Tolle, and all, all these people who have come along and, and shared these powerful ways, uh, that's that's how you start to access it. You can use your body to get there. Nah, man, like I feel the fucking goosebumps. Like I, when you were talking there, like I felt my hand, like I was naturally actually kind of, my hands were getting closer to my face and I was like, widening them and like i felt i was like these are my fucking hands and i'm like mm -hmm. you can feel it in my brain and like getting the goosebumps and i was like yes these are mine like you're right i see this but i'm like yes like and i could feel like and that reminded me of another book that drew recommended to me of peace in every step by i want to get this right so i'm going to go to my audible that i've been listening to peace in every step by not Han mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it talked very similar to what you're saying like you can do meditation and everything driving meditation walking meditation eating meditation where you're just mindfully there in the moment and you're actually I'm, you know eating and talking about like how you're eating and you can feel the food of what you're eating and you're eating that, that energy and how it expresses and it's just how powerful that is when you do it and how amazing it is. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I have no idea what, where I was going with that, but like, just it's that, I mean, that was unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's powerful. It's powerful. And then um, something that happens is that uh, you, you start to like what you were saying, you're like, Oh, my hands. And, and then you're like, wait a second, my hands, <laughs> if, if they're my hands, who, who am I? Oh, shit. No, I didn't even think that, but yeah, you're right. So uh, we can go a little further. So right now I'm speaking to you and you hear me speaking. And uh, you're aware that as I speak into the mic, it comes through uh, this computer and then it goes through this uh, crazy cable, a fiber optic cable and comes straight to your home, into your headphones, hits your eardrum, and then you're receiving the words that I'm sharing with you. They're being processed and you're understanding me that we're connecting, right? Yeah. And uh, you're aware of this. And especially now, because I just kind of talked about the uh, a mechanism, you're like, okay, I, I get it. Now, if you allow yourself to notice that you're aware, you are here. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm aware. But now let's take it a little further. And the question here is, are you aware that you are aware? Mm. 
what happens is that immediately that which you saw as awareness kind of like here, you're thinking, I'm aware. And I asked you if you were aware of that awareness, it took you to here. Like you just expanded and realized that, wait a second, maybe I am not what I think I am because my original awareness was a thought, but now I became aware of the thought of being aware. Thus, I am not that either. <laughs> and that's when it gets really trippy. But in that place where you become aware that you're aware, there is a moment. It's just a moment. It just lasts for a, a second of detachment. It's in that very moment where you're no longer your body. You're no longer who you think you are. You're no longer your feelings. You're something completely different. And there, there's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no urgency. There's no uh, need to do anything. And that's the place of stillness. And that's a place that I believe we potentially get access to when, when we die. Uh, but for now, in this, in this living iteration of ourselves, that's the fertile soil where you now create whatever it is that needs to be created and what you want to create. I'll tell you what, I felt like a millionaire. I was like, mm. I was, when I was looking at my hands, I was, I remember being uh, something that I had read where it's like, you know, would you cut off a limb for a million dollars? And you're like, no, but it's just like, okay, then you literally have something that's worth like, I was looking, I was like, yes, I have fingers that work and hands and thumbs and I'm healthy. And then I'm here like, yes. And I can hear you talking to me through this microphone and we're going to air this to other people. And my brain is understanding what you're saying. And I, and I was just like, holy shit. I'm like, I, I have all that I, I am a healthy, well-balanced person. And I just felt gratitude. And it was like, to our listeners out there, fuck, I hope you felt the same thing. I hope you're listening to it. And you weren't like, what the fuck are you like? And if you were fucking rewind and go back and try it again and do it with an open mind. Because I mean, that was, that's exactly what you're talking about. That enlightenment. Like I even felt it, like you said, that third eye in the middle of my head, when you were talking about the like, holy shit, like mm. Buddhist monks just fucking sit there and think about this shit all day or what? Like, I mean, it's part of the practice uh, uh, for sure, but it's, it's, it's not even about that. It's, it's about, the appreciation for what is and the appreciation for what is the word appreciation is the is the growth of value over time and the growth of value over time is seeing and meeting potential that's why that state of awareness that is detached from action thinking outcomes allows you to see things for what they are and thus appreciate them and if you just think about the words when we use words how powerful they are when you appreciate something what is it that you're doing you are allowing the value to move into its potential i appreciate you what if, what are you doing by saying i appreciate you you're not just saying, 
thank you. It's not that. You're saying, I am by saying, I see you. I see your potential. I see your value. I appreciate you. I, I am moving you closer to your potential. So as a coach, one of the things that we're doing is we're being a mirror. We're showing people, look what you have. And, and by saying, I appreciate you, you're giving them access to that. That's unbelievable. Um, what is the insider group or inside group? And how does that differentiate from what you're doing with uh, MetaMind and MetaAthletes? Mm, interesting. So um, in, my, in my coaching practice, I like anybody, I have different programs that I, I share. And one of the programs that I share is called the interface. And the interface is this uh, four-week um, like deep dive into the practices of emotional fitness. And um, those who graduate from the interface, if they want to continue working with me, join the insider uh, group. And the insider group is where I, I host um, – Monday uh, sessions every Monday. I, I call the mentorship Monday sessions and, and it's all about thinking clearly and it's uh, just getting people to continue to tap into these ideas with the intention of deploying them through some kind of craft, something that they're doing. So whether it's in business development or it's in uh, their, their private practice or uh, within developing uh, better ways of communicating or whatever it may be simply deploying that. And that's the insider. So I have the interface and then the insider. And that's that's where the insider uh, lies. The um, the NFT project, the, the Meta Athletes uh, project, that one is dedicated to uh, connecting with other coaches and people who are um, interested in learning how to win in life. And winning in life is simply being able to meet a standard, uh, get fit, whatever it may be. It's just feeling feeling well. And uh, Meta Athletes is really a collective of coaches and people who care about uh, performing better. And uh, the way that it's being deployed at the moment is, is through uh, this NFT project called Meta Athletes and, and led by Drew and uh, with Coach B. And uh, they have advisors like Fanzo. And then you have uh, uh, Kevin Smith, which is uh, he's a, he's a co-founder co uh, and professional baseball player. He plays for the Oakland A's at the moment. Yeah, uh, so that's that's the that's the difference. But we have the same conversations. I mean, the the conversation is the same. It's just the group is different. And you and Darnell are serving as, you know, the mental advisors to them, correct? Yeah, uh, part of uh, Darnell uh, has been doing a lot of the mindfulness stuff, and then I came in and I also assist, assisted in the in the mental uh, work. But I was focusing mostly on the purpose and mission of of uh, of the project and making sure that we were all on the same page and uh, yeah, making sure that everybody is is kind of moving in the same direction. So going back to interface with the insider group. <clears throat> I'm a strength and conditioning coach, you know, by trade and, and we're presenting to strength and conditioning coaches here on strength coach network. Um, why should strength coaches join the interface, the insider group, like, you know, plug it 
essentially like why sell me on this thing yeah no no like i mean yeah. shit i'm fucking sold like because i know i need it but like why for our listeners out there that have you know hung around with us for the last 47 minutes like why why do they need it why do they need to go and have this stuff because i think i think strength coaches are finally starting to understand how to help to tap into the mental side of things because they understood used to make fun of people for nutrition and used to make fun of people for stretching and this whole fucking sick gambit in the world. Like, I don't even want to go down that fucking path. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I've at least owned it and I'm trying to empower my athletes, you know, telling my story. Um, So you're not convincing me, but like, why does, why would a strength coach want to get in the interface and in the insider group and any of the other projects that you're related in? Because like, I'm like, I was writing it down, like, fuck, okay. Inside a group, like, write this down use some of my continuing education budget like you're fucking signing up but that's amazing plug it for everybody else because you ain't selling me like yeah thank you well i appreciate i appreciate your your kind words and encouragement and and it it means a lot yeah i mean uh just take the the title strength and conditioning and, and let's break it down so strength is your capacity to move that's really what it is and that capacity to move is something that is uh, limited by your ability to get into certain positions. So let's let's say if you're if you're squatting something heavy, let, let's just say you're squatting uh, 225, okay, uh, and you're 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 just getting ready to squat. If you can't get into a basic squat position, that weight is gonna feel uh, like it's crushing you. So it's all about your capacity to get into positions that allow you to meet a standard. And the, the conditioning itself in strength and conditioning is uh, the uh, repetitive practices that make your expression permanent. And something that we do as strength and conditioning coaches is that we are creating a capacity to move that is permanent. That's what strength and conditioning is all about. The problem is that we are ever adapting and thus our conditioning needs to be ever adapting. Our, capa- our capacity to move needs to be ever adapting. And this is where it's, it's learning how to become adaptive in nature rather than just technical. And adaptive is the ability to continue to grow or to be in a path of mastery, which doesn't have a destination, uh, without succumbing, and this is the hardest part, without succumbing to having to meet the 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 arbitrary goal that we've set. So, uh, let's say you're 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 prepping for a competition. That that's a goal, and you can periodize, you can plan, you can structure, you can do everything that is in your control, yet not meet the goal. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to becoming process oriented. And this is where um, I say process over progress, progress over progression, progression over outcome. Say that again for our listeners. Yeah. So process over progress, progress over progression, progression over outcome. Outcome is the destination. This is what you want to achieve. If you're just thinking about what you're uh, wanting to achieve, you're not working on the progression. You're just focusing on the outcome. So, for example, if you want to squat, let's say you want to squat 315. Okay, I want to get to squatting 315 for whatever reason. And right now you're at 225. 
if you're thinking about squatting 315 and you can't squat 315 because you're at 225, you're going to constantly be disappointed. And the more you put weight on the, on the bar or try to do things, you're just not going to get there. Thus, you need to follow the progression. What's the progression? The progression is the program. That's the progression. It's the roadmap. And as you're working on the progression, you have to notice that that produces progress, but the progress is so subtle. It doesn't happen today. It's delayed. Thus, you can't focus on the progression either. And you have to live in a state where you have to have faith. You have to believe that what you're doing is actually producing the results, the outcome that you want. And in order to do that, you need to become process-oriented. And what is process-oriented? Process-oriented is becoming disciplined and not only showing up daily and doing it over and over again relentlessly, but it's becoming disciplined in a way that discipline is expressed as a skill. It's kind of like the discipline of gymnastics, the discipline of piano. It's a yes. skill. And in order for uh, showing up every day, training hard, preparing, going through the strength and conditioning program to actually work, you need to be disciplined. You need to see your way of doing things as a skill. In order for that to happen, the strength and conditioning coach can no longer be dogmatic in their approach. <laughs> Say that again right? for our listeners, louder for the people in the back. And I want to be very careful here because um, the things that you know and the things that you do work, but they can be better. And the question is, are you willing to go to that place? Yeah, where you have to admit that there are certain things that you're maybe just forcing and more than good are potentially harming. And maybe they're harming not the people that you're serving, but yourself. And this goes back to you, like talking about how you want to project onto people yeah. and how you want people to meet their potential and the frustration that comes from that. So, yeah, the interface is about becoming adaptive in nature and allowing yourself to express yourself at the highest level without compromising your integrity, owning what you know being willing to change where needs to, yeah, things need to change and and living in a constant state of growth. That's that's really what it is. And ultimately you just feel better. You can, you can actually show up at work and do your job without holding on to shit. Yeah. How do you go about advising coaches and people that want to help people. Like, I know we've kind of talked about it in a roundabout way, but I kind of want to respect your time, understanding you're on the West coast and, you know, you've got other things to do. So, you know, without again, giving away your content for free, but like, I'll give it, I'll give my content away for free. Here's the thing. People only pay for access and curation. Information is free. And what do I mean by that? Curation is when you put something into a product. So for example, if I have all this knowledge and I put it into a book, people pay for the book. They pay for the curation of that. If I'm a strength and conditioning coach and I have all this knowledge and I put it into a program and I curate that program, people will pay for that program. 
but people also pay for access. They want to get close to the source. So the information is free. I, I, I'll, I'll give everything away for free. Go. Here are all the recipes. Just you know, go, go do your thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't charge for that. Uh, that's not what people pay for. And and what we all know is that most people take the information, they kind of integrate it, but they don't really do anything with it um, unless they really need it. Who are the people that integrate the information in their lives the best and what separates them from everybody else to help okay. them truly win at life? Yeah, and I think this is what... Uh, actually answers the question that you originally asked me before I told you this. I, I digressed and talked about curation and, and access. Um, it's people who are willing to take ownership of their lives wholeheartedly and become fully self-directed and autonomous. And those people are the ones that are willing to uh, take full responsibility for everything in their lives, everything. And this meaning... Uh, realizing that they are producing their reality, whether it's through, the, through their actions, their thinking, their feelings, uh, the environment that they're in, and that they have the choice to some degree to change that. And those who are willing to lean into the choice of change are the ones who uh, tend to succeed. The people who are self-directed also need to couple their autonomy with mastery. And mastery is the infinite pursuit of something that they're curious about, they love doing. They're just, there's something about it that they can't stop. I see you holding a baseball. You played baseball, you love baseball. Suck at it. This was just from my cousin who plays in the major leagues and he gave us a ball well, and we saw That's amazing. Too. That's amazing. Well, whatever it is that you play, whatever it is that you do, there's something that you love. Yeah. Whether it's parenting, uh, it's uh, parenting, parenting, husbanding, coaching my athletes, and exercise. Yes, reading. yes, yeah. and that's mastery. Reading, uh, developing. As long as you couple your autonomy, your self direction with mastery, which is this infinite pursuit that is, doesn't have a destination, then uh, you you're going to be successful. And then finally, with purpose, and purpose is the deliberate application of an intention that permeates everything that you do in your life. And a way to uh, get access to that purpose is by exploring that which you love, that which you're skilled at, that which you do in exchange for value, and that which you believe the world needs more of. And by kind of working through that, what you love, that what you're good at, that what you do in exchange for value and that what you believe the world needs more of, you start to find a mission, a clear intention. And that mission becoming the, um, the straight line of progress. And that's the one that when you look at high performers, when you look at the people who are doing really well, their purpose never wavers. They may fluctuate, but they always return to it. Thus, yeah, they hit the goals. They hit the targets. They produce the results. You know, that's really powerful because that's exactly what we're doing here at Strength Coach Network. We are, our purpose is to educate the coaches and to bridge the gap between university and what is taught and what is happening in real life. And we're trying to bridge the gap and go coach education 
And how do we bring those three things that you talked about from the book, uh, whatever book it was again, but autonomy, mastery, purpose, like, and it just, again, what is, uh, again, our purpose, we are here to educate the coaches to help bridge the gap because things of this nature are not taught in the university setting, but they're important. And, you know, behind what we have on the site and our, our foundation courses, like how can we educate these coaches to make better coaches to help serve our athletes better, right? Because that's what it's about. And how can we do that? And I mean, you couldn't have driven the home, driven the message home of what we're trying to do here through what you talked about. Um, where can people continue to follow you? Because I think a lot of our listeners are going to be like, holy fuck, this was unbelievable. Where can they continue to learn more about you, whether it's social media, um, you know, just to continue to follow you on your journey of this thing called life. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, everything, uh, just Carl Powley. So that's uh, C A R L P A O L I. And, uh, you can go to freestyleconnection.com. That's my website. Uh, it needs a little updating, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's there. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the best way to, to follow me. And, um, I guess if you go onto any podcasting platform and you type in my name, I think there are hundreds of episodes out there. Uh, I have a podcast too called the Freestyle Way Podcast. I I talk to people who uh, are artists, performers, and uh, we talk about you know what what's behind the scenes, what's behind the curtains um, in terms of their thinking and the way that they uh, yeah create and approach things. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I definitely want to have you on again and find ways that we can continue to collaborate and work together. Um, for those that have continued to listen to us this long, make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh, you know keep supporting us so we can keep driving some good content for you. Carl, thank you for being on, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you.